All right, welcome back to the Gospel for Life. Before we do our introductions, just want to remind you of our awesome, excellent, fantastic, unbeatable, not to be made a parallel or comparison with conference coming up October 21st and 22nd. Was that overplaying it? No, not at all. It's not overplaying it. I mean, we have world-class speakers coming to Boise, October 21st and 22nd. Dr. Joel Beakey, head of uh, Puritan Reformed Theological Seminary. He's been a pastor for decades now. Dr. Derek Thomas, um, also pastor uh, from Wales, right? From Wales, uh, Ligonier Fellow. I mean, these guys are... I didn't. I, that was not hyperbole. That well, we have the some of the best speakers in the world coming to the Reformation we, Voice Conference. We certainly do. The only problem was you <laughs> added the phrase "not to be outdone." But the problem is both Beaky and Thomas are going to be together with about twelve other conferences. But this is this is Boise, though. Oh, yeah. that's right. It's the location, yeah. and it's Reformation Boise. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's that's us. True. It's I, us, guys. I will yield to that. I'll so yield to go, that. go to uh, ReformationBoise.com. You can register. Jonathan, have you registered yet? Have you guys registered yet? Or did you just give up because I got to register first? I, <laughs> you know, as I you want to be up. first, I would like to be last. <laughs> There's no prize for last. There's no prize for that. So yeah. go to ReformationBoise.com. You can register for free. Don't want to miss it. Um, around the table, Pastor Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring Reformed Church, Pastor Russ M.C. Herman from <laughs> Cloverdale Reformed Church. I'm Josh Bells from The Well, and uh, guest host, special guest host, Paul Luer, also one of the pastors at The Well Church. Brother, glad you're here today. Praise God. So we are talking about um, justification by faith alone. We were talking about the sinfulness of man um, in this last series, and now we get to um, hear the good news about the gospel. Maybe let's start with the Old Testament. How do the Old Testament sacrifice, uh, sacrificial system, how does the Old Testament sacrificial system teach us about justification by faith alone? First of all, it tells us how... um how God views sin and the idea that there has to be a substitute or a covering for sin. And so, you know, we, we'll see that in, in Genesis when uh, Adam and Eve um, leave the garden. They leave clothed in, uh, you know, animal skins. There had to be a sacrifice. Uh, you know, we, we just went through, um, you know, the Passover season when Jesus Christ is crucified. Passover was a, um, a celebration of deliverance from Eve. From Egypt, there was uh, there was a, a sacrificial lamb, a Passover lamb that had to be slain, uh, you know, in order for that house to receive a covering, so God would pass over them because they were as guilty as the Egyptians. God would pass over them and and deliver them. Well, on, on a on a Passover, uh, Josephus talks about how um, you know up to you know. 250,000 lambs would be a slaughter in Jerusalem. I mean, the blood would run down, uh, you know, from the Temple Mount all into the Kidron Valley, all the way down to Bethlehem, you know, I mean, in the in a brook, you know, it would just be red with blood because of all the lambs that were slaughtered. Mm. Um, just, uh, you know, the heinousness, the, I mean, all the sights, the sounds, the smells of, of, of death, which sin brought on all of humanity. Mm. I think in the Old Testament sacrifice, you see more, most clearly the, the one side of justification, uh, the whole idea of a need for a substitute for sin, 
Leviticus 16 is the Day of Atonement. In the, in the Day of Atonement, you have two goats that are being used. The one goat is um, sacrificed, and the blood of that goat is poured or placed upon the, the mercy seat. And the whole idea is that the blood um, covers over sin. And inside of the the ark would have been the the law and what in essence what it's teaching is that that blood makes it so that our disobedience is not seen um, before God it covers that um, and then another goat the second goat over that goat would be pronounced all of the sins of the people and the idea is that the sins of the people therefore are being transferred to that goat and then that what they would say is that then they would take that goat and release it into the wilderness. And so the two doctrinal things that you're talking about is um, propitiation, that the wrath of God has been dealt with and appeased, and then expiation, that the sins of the people are removed. And that is really what's happening in the one side of justification. The, The other side of justification, the imputation of righteousness, is a little harder to see in the Old Testament, but you need to understand that all of this work that is happening in the sacrificial system is happening by a high priest who wears upon his turban the phrase, holy to the Lord. And you have to ask yourself, well, how how is that possible? How is anybody holy to the Lord? Well, because he represents the great priest that will come, Jesus Christ, And it's Jesus Christ who is the one that is only and truly holy to the Lord. And it's because of that great high priest, Jesus Christ, the book of of Hebrews will tell us, that we then can be those that are declared righteous before God because of the work of that great high priest. Yeah. Maybe just one um, addition to that. In in the book of Malachi, when God was rebuking the Israelites for them bringing sacrifices that were blemished and tainted and and not fit the animal did have to be perfect that's right so they couldn't pick the lame animal the, the animal that nobody wanted um so that, that's maybe that's one but, part and all of the all of that old testament was type and shadow it was not it none of those things were sufficient in themselves they were pointing ahead to the one who would uh suffer for in our uh, stead. In fact, uh, the Heidelberg Catechism, which we've talked about on air here, it says, can any other creature, any at all, pay the debt for us? And it, it says, no, to begin with, God will not punish any other creature for what a human is guilty of. Yeah. Furthermore, no mere creature can bear the weight of God's eternal wrath against sin and deliver others from it. Actually, the the sacrificial system was set up as a reminder of that holiness of God, of his of His wrath against sin. Um, and so these were repeated things that they would have to do every year. Yeah. Can you imagine having that conversation with your little girl or something? You know, Daddy, why does the animal have to die? What does this mean? What does well, this mean? We are sinners. Yeah. I mean, why why is this the only, is there any other way? God is angry that, with that, sin. That sin can be covered. Um, and that conversation, no, no, honey, uh, there is no other way. Blood must be shed. Blood must be let in order for sin to be forgiven. It's hard for us to really imagine this because we live in such a sterile environment. Um, so everything, I mean, unless you were raised on a farm, um, 
most of this is going to be foreign. We go to the store and we buy our packaged um, food, and it's all up to USDA standards and on and on and on. Um, but if you were living in the Old Testament, um, what you would have been uh, very much aware of is just how bloody um, this system was. The number of sacrifices, the un- number of animals that that died, and their the blood smell was, in the air. That's right. The gore all over the ground. The the blood sprinkled all over the priest's vestments. And so I think God wanted always before His people this idea of this is necessary because of sin. Yeah. Um, and so we can we have not just sterilized our, you know some aspects of life we've sterilized all of our life and yeah. this is why we don't talk about sin and we want to make it less abrasive and and it's not as in front of people but you'd have to understand that in the old testament it was always there yeah in every facet of life it was there you know jonathan edwards uh was wrestling with this idea of the contrast between the old testament and the new testament one time and he said how come there's so much blood and gore in the old testament and so much uh judgment you have the flood you have sodom and gomorrah you have the canaanite conquest and then all of a sudden you get to the new testament and it's like okay there's ananias and sapphira and maybe a couple other things why is the old testament so full of god's judgment and the new not and he says no 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 contraire the greatest example of god's judgment and wrath towards sin was particularly on the cross it makes the flood and sodom and gomorrah and everything else look pale in comparison to what happened to christ this was the the greatest amount of god's wrath being poured out in one place and the most innocent talk about all the innocent lambs that were slain this this lamb of god this this god man was perfectly innocent not only of sin but his whole entire life he was righteous in god's sight obeying every part of his law and um we're we're meant to uh we're meant to look at the shadow of all these sacrifices and then when we look at the cross we're meant to say whoa those were nothing compared to what actually happened on the cross i i would just recommend to the the listener to spend some time in the book of Hebrews. I think it's just helpful um, to to reach back. Um, it helps you reach back into the Old Testament and appropriate some of the shadow um, into the, the life of, of the new covenant. Um, and it's a, it's a helpful, I think, a helpful bridge um, in helping to understand some of this. Amen. I was actually going to go go there and, and back to our original question. Um, how do we see in the Old Testament that these sacrifices are to be appropriated by faith that um and the author of hebrews in chapter 11 force tells us that it's by faith abel offered a better sacrifice than cain did so um it, it is the new testament author here who is expounding or expanding upon what we see back there um between cain and abel but both offered sacrifices and the question has to be asked why did god accept one and reject the other um, ultimately, the author of Hebrews makes it very clear what the answer is. That was the dividing line. Um, one of those sacrifices was offered in faith. Um, the one offering the sacrifice was looking forward to the promised seed, the the, the curse reverser, the one who would come. Um, and then also, if we look at um, at David's uh, beautiful prayer confession in Psalm fifty one. 
David teaches us very clearly, for you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. And earlier in the Psalm, David is crying out to God that God would be the one that does the cleansing. And so he, he certainly understands the idea that these sacrifices um, that were operative in his day and age, he, he did give sacrifices, but he realized that the essence wasn't found there in the sacrifice, but that they were pointing to something future. Mm-hmm. And this is why it's so important to be clear on justification, that it is the work of Jesus Christ alone that provides the salvation that we need, that we don't offer, or that we don't add anything to that. Mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. Um, And this is one of the great divides between Protestants and Catholics, that when we talk about that we're saved by faith alone, um, that's a faith in Christ alone and his work alone, that he alone was the one that took upon himself our sin. He alone is the one that lived a, a life of perfect obedience, of holiness and righteousness that we desperately need. And so we have to be clear that it's not the sacrifice of Christ and something that we contribute to it. Um, and I think that was clear throughout the Old Testament that it, it, these sacrifice alone were those things that were a covering. Well, if something needs to be added to it, then that something needs to be perfect because God only accepts perfection. And if we're talking about quality of perfection, why wouldn't we also um, also require quantity of perfection? So this I, this this is go back to that that sprawl quote. Though if we don't have sola fide, we don't have imputation, and if we don't have imputation, we lose the gospel. So we're going to continue this series tomorrow. We hope you tune in. This has been the Gospel for Life. See you next time.